Rough Talk VR. Welcome to another episode of Rough Talk VR, a weekly podcast with in-depth game reviews, exclusive developer interviews, and the latest Oculus Quest news. We join our hosts D Scruffles and Stratus2k1 today as they spend another episode breaking down and discussing the Oculus Quest virtual reality world. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Rough Talk VR. Today we're joined with Dan and Eric of Top Right Corner. The I'm maker, excited. Yeah, the makers excited, of, of the Atlas Mystery. We just reviewed this the other week on the podcast. Uh, it's an amazing App Lab escape room that we don't know how the hell it wasn't on the, uh, the official store. But, you know, Dan and Eric, do you mind telling our listeners a little bit more about yourself and, uh, you know, a little bit about the game in case they missed our, our review of it? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, the Atlas Mystery. It's uh, an escape room game set in a 1940s era movie palace. And, yeah, it's uh, it's got a little bit of a, an interesting history behind it. So, you know, Dan, Dan runs Top Right Corner, which is a good experiential kind of augmented reality company but um years ago i was i was working for this film studio and re- we released this movie called the belco experiment and i collaborated with dan on a virtual reality escape room to uh to promote the film and we we had a blast doing it and the the game kind of took off it was a free-to-play promotional game and years later we've been working on some other stuff and we kind of came together and said, like, you know, that was really fun. Let's uh, let's think about another kind of escape room style puzzle game project that we can collaborate on. And, uh, you know, Dan's built a really impressive development team and everything through his work at, at Top Right Corner. And uh, it was something we were able to move into really quickly. And I just had this idea of, like, I was just obsessed with this concept of, like, setting this this escape room style game in... 1940s movie palace and being able to build all these puzzles around you know old film technology like projection technology all that kind of stuff i just i felt there was such like a baked in kind of cool premise there um that led to a lot of interesting kind of puzzle dynamics that you hadn't really seen before um and yeah dan i'll let you kind of talk about top right corner too and kind of going into this yeah that's a good intro thanks thanks eric i think We'd be remiss to say if we didn't mention that. So I actually went to NYU film school and my, my path to (laughs) game development and everything else is a bit circuitous. Uh, but Eric and I have made movies and we actually still make movies together. We have a new company that does that, but I met Eric when he was at Blumhouse, as he said, a few years ago, I had produced the Belco experiment, uh, with James Gunn, um, director of guardians of the galaxy. And we convinced Blumhouse uh, the distributor to allow us to make this VR escape room, which was pretty early on. And, uh, you know, Eric will tell me now behind the scenes that his team had a lot to do with that, uh, to make <laughs> that happen. Uh, but you know, people, it was so early in, in VR and we actually got them to, to write the check for it in 2016. And that's really what launched the VR division of top right corner. Cause we were using it to do short form commercial work and other short form video. And that's really when dove headlong into making VR experiences. And so over the years, I think Belco Belco has been like downloaded several hundred thousand times as a free game. And that always gave us the confidence to make another escape room. And we've definitely done some other projects since then. We do a lot of training and a lot of other commercial VR separately. But we were really excited to put this together with Eric and kind of go back to our film roots as we make this escape room that's set in this movie palace. Yep. Yeah. It was fun because Belco was, it was set in a single room. It was a very confined experience. It was like a 15 minute kind of promotional game. And this, we really just wanted to push it and say like, let's, Let's build this this huge movie theater from the ground up, you know, make it feel like it's got a history, a whole story behind it and everything. And, you know, stock it with dozens of puzzles and like really craft an interesting narrative around the whole thing. No, this one's definitely a lot longer than 15 minutes. Oh. No, and, and people should know it's the scale of this. This uh, I don't want to I hate saying games with as a, it's like almost not fair. It's an experience, really. 
but the scale of it is not not at all like no, a single room or not one puzzle not one quote unquote level it's uh, just almost like one long i, I one long movie no uh, and and mm-hmm. knowing now some of the movie background that that you both have and still have it makes total sense because i i was really in awe especially with the music score with some of the lighting with um and i don't think i'm giving away spoilers at all i probably mentioned it in the podcast but there's a, a scene with dust and and light and when you mm-hmm. can pull that off that it it almost feels like you're probably breathing in dust. It's that's incredible. Yeah, this was definitely a game that I was like, I can't believe they got it graphically working on the quest too. Well, and that's the thing. It's like the graphics as well as the the intricacies of the puzzles mm-hmm. to pull it off. And we know when you do an escape room, you have no room for error. It's like the puzzles have to freaking work, or the mm-hmm. experience is destroyed. So yeah, it's like other games, glitches are cute. Bugs are like maybe mildly frustrating at the worst, but they're, they're sometimes they're hilarious in a, in an escape room. A bug is a deal killer. Yeah. It doesn't work anymore. So kind of a, a two part question, but what year did this, uh, this Belco experiment ex- escape room come out and overall, what, what year did you guys come together with top right corner and start doing commercials and, and AR stuff and other things? Yeah. So I've, I mean, I've had top right corner, since my New York days, which were sort of, you know, like 2009 is actually when I moved to Los Angeles. So I've been making stuff through Top Right Corner for years. Um, but I was doing more long form film producing through other groups. And, you know, Top Right Corner really was reformed in earnest when I first got my hands on a uh, Oculus dev kit in 2014, 2015. And I decided that everything that Top Right Corner was going to do was going to be in that VR direction, no matter where that journey took us. So, you know, in 2016, I did some promotional material for a Fox TV show in VR, admittedly more 360 video VR at the time. And then after Belco, I actually collaborated. Belco came out in 2017. uh, And then Eric and I actually collaborated when Eric worked at MGM Orion on some VR promotional material for Child's Play and for the Bill and Ted movie that came out two years ago. So we've actually continued to work on a lot of different things in sort of VR um, and sort of mixed reality separately in addition to the films that we were making. Yeah, our backgrounds are kind of all over the place. Um, but Quite I, impressive. I did, <laughs> no, thank you. I did work at a couple film studios my background is is more like film marketing focused um but yeah like dan said we did collaborate on several vr experiences and i kind of got the the bug and the the interest kind of grew out of those to you know work with dan to create something that felt like a very you know fleshed out like polished kind of escape room experience Man, these film people are always so casual with the yeah. This the is like the third, you... third or fourth developers we've spoken to who have a film background, and you're the, so casual. The credentials about... <laughs> they throw out, like yeah, it's, it's like, like come I, on. I've, I've only just worked on a couple big films that you've definitely heard. You know, only yeah, a couple. If you've watched TV or seen a movie, you've seen my work. Yeah, Don't worry. Just a couple <laughs> promotional work for Fox. You know, just but super no, casual but, about it. It's it's but always what's funny. incredible, and it's you know, and I'll I'll say it to to both of you guys for, I mean. One could sit on the other side of the fence and go, why, why would you even bother? Like you have, you have it, you could just focus on the one aspect and never make a game and never even bother, let alone saying, I'm going to not only make a game, I'm going to make one of the hardest genres of game to pull off in VR. (laughs) It just, it's incredible. It's like, there's a drive. I think people in the movie business have that. It, it's the about ordinary folk does just does not have yeah it's not always chasing the money it's it's doing the passion like yeah. this is this like is what said, I'm, the... I'm interested in i want i want to do this it's not because it's going to make me 10 million dollars it's because this is what i want to do yeah it just blows my mind yeah I, yeah well no so, thank you we I mean, we see a future in vr we see always have seen a future in mixed reality and we can get into all the different pros and cons of where a vr is kind of going but it has definitely been a passion project, but I would say over the past two years with COVID and other things, you know, top right corner has grown to 12 employees with a bunch of contractors across different States. So while I was making movies and we did kind of casually throw out a few titles there, uh, you know, top right corner was a bit more of a hobby project 
but we've been successful to the point where it's it's a real it's a real company now. <laughs> then, I I think getting on it early is this, and I know a lot of people are reluctant to jump into VR you know, feet first right now, because they're still testing the waters and want to see where it goes. But it's like everyone that's doing it now is a bona fide risk taker. They're the, they're the ones laying that foundation for years to come. Yeah. But for, so, I mean, I, I think it's huge on our end, playing these games and reviewing it, you know, it's every developer we talk to it's, it's passion projects. And it, I think that mm-hmm. makes for really enjoyable experiences. Well, that's the thing, the content it shows mm-hmm. and it's like, I'll use this and, Again, there's no spoilers, but everything about it was, um, it was polished. Very. I don't think there was, I mean, there's nothing bad to say about it. I guess that's kind of the worst thing about it. I got nothing bad to say about it. Nothing at all. (laughs) So I I don't think we really got into this this yet, but how how did you two actually come to meet? Yeah. So um, when I was back at at Blumhouse Tilt, uh, which was studio I was doing some some marketing work for, yeah, like Dan said, we we had picked up this movie called The Belko Experiment, which Dan was a producer on. So I think that was the first first time, right, Dan, when we were starting gearing up for the campaign for that movie, and then you kind of introduced your your whole like uh, VR setup and everything. Yeah, that was that was the very first time, and then we obviously we collaborated on some of the other work when you were at Orion Pictures. Mm-hmm. And now Eric and I have actually launched our own separate company called Welcome Villain, which is a new film studio that will be producing horror movies uh, at a certain price point and distributing them. So we've launched a whole new horror studio that we're also uh, going to be working on. So that's yeah. a whole separate, <laughs> whole separate thing. So if you think we're crazy for trying to launch a horror studio, we'll also develop <laughs> an escape room game in the middle of a pandemic. The answer is yes. I think, I think it's awesome. There's been some, you know, as shitty as the pandemic's been for, for everyone around the world, it's like, there's been some amazing things to come out of it. And, and you guys are part of that result. There's other developers who are like, no, I, I only made the game because I now had the time and I had nowhere to go. I was stuck for, I think that was the case with, uh, Thomas and Vermilion. Yeah. I think he started Vermilion because of the pandemic. Yeah. Pandemic driven, but the results from this are just, it's coming out. So how big, I mean, obviously you said you got 12 employees right now, but I'm, I'm guessing it's always been a really relatively small workforce and you guys are doing most of it yourself. Yes. Yeah. What was the number actually working on the majority of the game? I mean, probably five or six people <laughs> max. Yep. And, and then Evan, who's a talented film composer who's worked on Marvel stuff and he's worked for, um, you know, some bigger composers. I mean, he, he obviously did the music and we had a, a bit of a sound team, but it was mainly just, I mean, Eric, you did a lot of the sound impl- like <laughs> sourcing of stuff. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a lot of all hands on deck. Yeah, no, everybody was, was kind of doing everything. And, uh, yeah, like I, you know, I wrote the script for the game. I designed all the puzzles, but I was also like in audition, like, you know, creating some of the sound effects for dials and knobs. And uh, I I also have experience in some like graphic design and Photoshop. So I was able to create like a lot of the in-game documents. Um, it was really just everybody kind of putting their all into it. And yeah, you know, I'm glad you brought up the music a little earlier because yeah, it's, I mean, we were just like blown away with uh, what Evan did for this game. Like no, the, the music is just incredible and it adds a whole other layer of intrigue to the game that we just were so excited about. It helps with the immersion. So big well, shout out to you. And as, as important is a soundtrack to a movie to pull you into the scenes, mm-hmm. the score for this experience did the same thing. It's like, there wasn't a time where something seemed out of place or, you know, oh, this music's not making sense to the, no, it, it, it had that theatrical type professionalism to it that I, I was curious after we had played it. I'm like, yeah, they, this was no like somebody just sitting there with a keyboard. This was a, this had to be a legit composer. And then we saw some social media posts 
mm-hmm. I think from the composer, which kind of reinforced it. But I was like, holy shit, this is like no joke. Some professional stuff. It's no joke. Yeah. It's not just that, you know, the visuals were amazing. And the it audio. tells a story. That was the other part of it that was pretty captivating is it's not just an escape room. It's like, there's a real story being told and it's, it's, I don't know. Yeah. So definitely deserves the, um, definitely does not deserve to be on app lab. I'll just go right to it. <laughs> oh yeah. Especially with your guys background, how polished it is. It works. There's not really, there's none of the puzzles have glitches. There's nothing game breaking. No. And it's not a copy off of anybody else's work or game or style. So it's like, uh, you know, it should be, given that um i mean i'm sure you guys would both agree of course but <laughs> sometimes just we you know we see things that are in apple app and they just don't make just doesn't make sense it's like it's not a, a game in development and it's not an abandoned project it's it's like it's a freaking finished thing and it's my understanding you guys are going to add more to this yeah yeah no we've we've been even just since release you know a week and a half ago uh, we've been continuously updating it. We've been even adding some some additional puzzle elements to the game, and yeah, we plan to just keep kind of growing it and improving it. Um, and I think one of the things that, even thinking back to when we were first concepting the game, um, you know, one of the things that was really important to me is I thought like there, there's a whole roster of you know kind of low budget VR escape room games out there. You know, you can search Steam and you can find a whole handful of of games that are, you know, essentially we we just wanted to think about like what what could set us apart? Like what's a version of an escape room? Like I'm a big escape room fan and I've done a ton of, you know, real life rooms and everything. And I was like, what's a version of this that just feels very different? And what kind of inherently uses the unique dynamics of, of VR and that type of interaction in a, in a very different and unique way. And yeah, just this concept of like, like we could just see it immediately, like handling film strips, you know, holding them up to light boxes, like pulley systems for curtains and auditoriums and like old, you know, forties, like switchboard, kind of puzzles like all that stuff just immediately kind of like flooded into our heads and was like okay like that's something that feels unique and the whole point of vr is like you want to feel immersed like you want to be in a location that you're not going to just visit every day you want to handle objects that you wouldn't normally handle and they're just very satisfying to handle and yeah i think that all it all came together really well and we were very happy with with where we landed with it Again, it's polished. No, thank you so much on that. I mean, I think our focus, like what I love about VR, I love about, I love certain interactions. I love obviously there's certain shooting games. There's certain things that are just really kinetic and fun. But for me, like VR is all about time traveling and traveling to places and immersing yourself in places that you could never otherwise access. And so I think what was super compelling about this time period as being film buffs, but also thinking back to the golden age of Hollywood. I think the story and some of the twists in it are actually very organic to an old Hollywood type twist for the code era and what was sort of allowed or not allowed. And so, you know, I think I, I love games like mist and I love, you know, sort of more old school sort of immersion kind of experiential uh, exploration and puzzle solving type games. And so for us, it was a no brainer to put it in this time period with all of those sort of bells and whistles that Eric was describing of, of fun pieces that we could design. Yeah. And as far as like the, the story goes, um, I grew up in Los Angeles. So I, like I, I grew up going to a lot of these like independent theaters and what kind of struck me is like, every single one just had some sort of insane history to it. And there, there was always like stories of, you know, whether it was like celebrities and scandals and, and all that kind of stuff. And I just, I found that so interesting. And uh, a lot of the narrative, like not to give anything away or, you know, avoid spoilers and all that, but a lot of the narrative in Atlas is actually built around like kind of real life Hollywood, uh, 
scandals and and uh, some pretty insane stories that I heard having having attended a lot of those theaters and and uh, explored them over time. Escape rooms are always so tough for us to uh, to review. You know, we're big fans, just like you. We we love escape rooms. Whenever we see an escape room in VR, boom! One of our first, you know, we buy it immediately because we're such big fans. Mm-hmm. But sometimes they're hard, a little hard to talk about because it's one thing to give away some story elements in other games, but in an escape room, it really hurts. So there, there's there's some things tough to talk about, uh, like you mentioned, some story elements that come together, kind of fitting of the era that it that it comes out. I think I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, as I'm reading these these notes and uncovering the plot of the game, uh, obviously it's a single player game, so we weren't playing it together, but we're party chatting, and I'm like, oh. Oh, wow. <laughs> I just learned something. And it's like, it, uh, I don't know. It comes together really good. Yeah, I so know what you're talking about. What was it like to, to write this? I know you, you were you were the writer for it. So, yeah. What was the, the whole creative process like, you know, writing the storyboard for this? Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. So, like I said, I kind of had like a, once we kind of nailed the concept, a lot of a lot of the basic puzzle elements kind of just came together pretty quickly where it's like, I kind of immediately knew like what types of interactions and what types of objects we're going to want to include. And, you know, things like I was talking about film strips, you know, puzzles built around like these kind of unique elements. And it was kind of twofold. Like we, we jumped into it really quickly. And I think I wrote the first uh, like game design document over the course of maybe like three weeks or so. And we got very granular with uh, the, the structure of the puzzles. And um, like I would go into anytime I would explain a puzzle since they're so, you know, physical base, I'd usually do a breakout and then kind of like mock up uh, a render of it in, in Photoshop or InDesign or something because it's just so hard to communicate to a team like, you know, Oh, we're going to have, you know, a box that has like multiple levers going through it. And like, just a- anytime you try to get into describing a puzzle, there's just so many like assumptions that need to be made and just crazy levels of detail that you need to communicate. Um, but yeah, it was balancing that with, you know, the narrative side of things. And you know, I knew that going into it, like we weren't able to do like a ton of animation or anything like that or have like a huge cast or anything for the game. So, um, you know, I'm a big fan of like old like text adventure games and games like Myst where you're left kind of scavenging things and putting together, you know, journals and documents and that kind of thing. Um, even going back to like, like Resident Evil. Um, where there's a lot of just, you know, piecing together events at like the raccoon city police station and that kind of thing. Um, so it's kind of all of those inspirations folding into, into one. And yeah, I think the script, like the actual narrative for the game kind of came together over time. Um, I think we got the basis for the theater down and the basis for like how your journey was going to progress. Like, we knew that you were going to start in like a single environment and then kind of unlock, you know, different areas of the theater as you go through it. Um, And I had, you know, a basic idea of like the characters involved and, and how the story was going to unfold. And then it was kind of, as we got into the development of the game, I was able to kind of combine those two and figure out like, okay, by, by the time you get to X point, you're going to have uncovered, you know, narrative point A and B. And then, yeah, just, uh, you know, there was no point where we were just kind of locked into the story. Like, it was just continuously developing until the very end of the process. All right. That's that's interesting here. I was wondering if you would have had it all figured out from, you know, start, start to, to finish or yeah. is like, all right. Oh, my God. Here's this idea for this twist. All right, that's that's interesting to hear that it was kind of a, a, a work in progress or, or fluid until until the end. Um, yeah. I think so, we, we had an idea of like, you know, the basic idea of like the characters and like the ultimate ending, like what we were building to. I think it was more like, yeah, like you say, some of those twists and some of those reveals that you uncover along the way, like they were definitely reworked and, and refined like as we 
as we built the theater and as we built the puzzles and got into all that. It's also like, we're not a huge team with a lot of money. And so I think, <laughs> you know, this is kind of getting into the, into the weeds, but you know, there's essentially three and a half versions of this game, you know, especially we've made a version for mobile for quest and it should not be missed. That quest is essentially a, a cheap phone strapped to your forehead. It's incredible what can be done on quest, but what ha- what has to be optimized to make quest work is completely against what the best aspects of a PC VR build are. So, you know, we knew we had to make it accessible to all those platforms and be optimized to those platforms. So without getting too much into it, I would say that there is perhaps another bigger ending that we had planned that we hope to roll out maybe in the future or a version of it. But, you know, Eric had the story in his head and he knew exactly where it was going to go. But it's really that parallel tract of actually like three three things of, of getting the puzzles to work, getting the narrative to work, and then getting it all to work on Quest as a baseline. <laughs> so you kind of have to play three-dimensional chess as a developer. And I think some of our movie background logistics help with this. But, you know, you have to just keep going, but also knowing that you might not have that 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 budget for that. You know, it's like having the budget in a movie for a big action scene. Like, we, you might not have the battle for the big action scene. So how do we get the narrative across effectively without you know, having to do that while still being able to, to release the game on quest. Yeah, no, actually you were, you reminded me how, uh, there, there were a couple additional environments that we did want to kind of between each kind of major room, there was meant to be sort of like, a like a half room of sorts. Uh, we're, and I think this is something that we're going to, to explore for, for future like expansion opportunities, but there were some other areas of the theater that I had originally scripted that we thought would make for a kind of cool, like almost like interlude, like mini escape rooms within a kind of larger thing. Um, but yeah, just due to budget, we had to cut that back a bit, but it's something that I definitely would like to expand on. That gets me super excited. Well, it's no <laughs> doubt that, and didn't take a genius. You guys are really maxing out the capabilities of the the quest too. I mean, including using some obvious movie tricks to, like you referenced the 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 light with the the dust, dust, and the I feel soundtrack. Like, yeah, there's there's some there's a lot a lot of movie tricks. So I, I actually wanted to ask, you know, what was it like getting the graphics to be so good on the quest without getting frame rate drop, without crashing? You know, did you guys just have really good graphic graphic artists or did you like we're speculating whip out some serious movie tricks to, to maybe make the lighting <laughs> a little better in certain areas to make the graphics appear better than they are? I don't think I don't know. I think there's any real tricks up our sleeve. I think it's really heavy optimization that we have. The top right corner does a lot of industrial training and other sort of we have do some government work and some other stuff. And we've actually trained our artists to optimize 3d objects tremendously because you just never know what platforms, different things are going to have to be on and AR, which is generally mobile based. We have all these different workflows for mobile than we do for PC VR. And so I think, I think a lot of it is just due to their talent and their knowledge of optimizing for mobile. And then you know, Eric, you could probably speak to some of those examples, but sometimes we, we'd be looking at rooms and we'd be like, well, this this one object, you look at your budget of how many polygons are in a space or how many objects are there. And, you know, we, we had to be very specific and, and very surgical about what we put in each room. Yeah, definitely. And it was it was really finding those hero objects that become... Like, what are the puzzles that are going to be the most gratifying to interact with? And there are certain, like, there are certain old pieces of technology that are really fun to to build a puzzle around. Um, and we had to compromise a little bit. Like, we wanted it to be a bigger piece. We wanted it to be, you know, have some more detail to it. Uh, it's just this enormous balancing act of kind of building something, testing it, seeing if you can kind of reduce it down without eliminating the detail and you know, there are certain things like 
Oh, it's also worth noting that uh, some of the artwork created for the game, like we worked with the incredibly talented uh, illustrator, Ronnie Centeno, who did a lot of that like 40s, 50s era inspired product design in the game. So, and he also did all those uh, fake film posters like scattered around the lobby. So (laughs) having, yeah, having that stuff also just kind of, you know, it's a pretty simple kind of texture add to the game. Having that also enhances that sense of like just overall detail. And, you know, when you look around the lobby, it's like, oh, you might be a little bit more forgiving of like, you know, the baked in like uh, chandeliers versus, you know, seeing some very detailed artwork that really stands out. Um, There's definitely some trickery. Like we were a little overwhelmed at first thinking about all these light based puzzles. You know, you have projectors like emanating beams of light and you have spotlights and like all that kind of stuff. So um, there was definitely a lot of testing that had to go into that before we could fully commit to doing certain puzzles because once you get into reflecting light and you get into, you know, projectors and flickering lights and dynamic light changes and all that kind of stuff, it, it starts to kind of eat away at your available, you know, processing and everything very quickly. So uh, yeah, it's just, it's one massive balancing act. It's a lot of trial and error. Um, and just the development team on this was just incredible. And uh, they could kind of anticipate what was going to work, what wasn't going to work. And yeah, saved us a lot of, a lot of time in the long run. No, I'm, I'm a sucker for the lighting. Yeah. Anytime I see it used properly and, um, and we've done some VR movies that we've reviewed as well, which I'm actually going to, I'll put whatever I'm thinking on hold so I don't lose thought of that. But have either of you ever thought of just putting out a VR movie? I mean, we did, we saw Madrid Noir. Goliath. Goliath. I mean, those two totally different experiences, but it seems that like, I don't know. Is that something you guys have ever pondered? Yeah. So I have a very specific take on VR movies, which is that ever since you know, like the great train robbery when, you know, 1900, when editing is introduced, um, when you have shot reverse shot and you have a director choosing shots and you choosing lenses for a shot, you know, there's film editing where a a filmmaker is deciding what the audience sees. And then you have a game on the other end of the spectrum where a game, you know, maker of a game is deciding exactly where someone can go but there's still free, not free will, but there's free choice of perspective and free choice of what people are doing. I find that VR movies are like a half measure that's like right in between those things where all I want to do is have way more interaction or I want to let the filmmaker show me what they want. And so for me, and maybe I've missed some of them and maybe I haven't heard your reviews of them. But to me, I haven't seen a VR movie that really took advantage of like the best parts of the medium without leaving me wanting to interact with the environment more. So for me, I, I feel like they're a bit of a, a half measure. Yeah, I, I definitely see the point with the interaction. Yeah, you can't guarantee that somebody's going to be looking at the right spot when you're trying to, whereas in a film you know, you have a flat screen, you can guarantee, you know, what's be, unless they're looking away not looking at anything, you know what they're going to look at. Uh, you know, there's a chance in a VR movie that you might be trying to drop a clue to the right, but the guy's looking with his head to the left. So I, it, I, I can kind of see what you're saying. Definitely. Um, yeah. And for me, like what was fun about Atlas was like you said, replicating some of those cinematic tricks in a way where, you know, we, we did get very, dramatic with like the hallway lighting and there are certain moments where um man it is hard to dance around some of these spoilers but there's a certain <laughs> there's a certain like area that you will unlock and it just like every time i just find it hilarious that people will like unveil that and then every playthrough they like hesitate for like five seconds and they're like oh i'm not going in there and then they're just like right. staring and then you know 10 seconds later inevitably they're walking down the hallway and you know that we we wanted to capture that like there's a certain atmosphere and tension that i just love when you jump into a vr game um you know that that does kind of mimic the experience of watching movies in some way 
And it's, you know, it's such an immersive medium that, you know, being able to capture that very polished atmosphere and that, you know, tension that you would experience when watching a film, like that to me is the most exciting thing about VR. And I, I love how interactive it is. And in my mind, it's really like, as opposed to making a film in VR, I think it's like just getting the most like cinematic kind of VR game that you can get. And that was really the goal going into this. Um, Because like Dan said, there is just an element of like, you know, when you strap on that headset and you're given free, free reign to kind of walk around this theater, like that's just an experience that's so unique to the medium. Um, And yeah, I would just want to keep making experiences like that honestly no and one one thing we commented on when we reviewed it is you're not limited to just the existing space you're in if you think you need to go back go back Mm -hmm. you you can go it's not like you're locked out and uh oh i can never go back because i moved forward no this is a it's a little less linear than a a film experience um so very expansive this this might be a, a very hard question to answer without giving spoilers. I don't even know if it's possible. But let, let's see. Uh, do you guys have a favorite puzzle in the game? I'll tell you mine involves a cash register just because for being so early in that, uh, I, don't, I don't think that's a puzzle. I mean, a spoiler to say that there's a puzzle involve, involving a cash register. But uh, that one stumped me so bad for being how simple it was. I think that might be my favorite. What about you guys? Do you have a favorite? Yeah, that's a, ooh, that's a good question. Um, I really liked, uh, so yeah, th- there's a, there's a whole puzzle sequence involving uh, a projector, like assembling certain parts for a projector. I just like that whole, uh, that whole sequence because you're forced to do a lot of very like abstract things that like might take a minute to think like, okay, like, not quite sure how to go about this, but once you figure it out, there's like a very big aha moment, which is like what puzzle games and escape rooms are all about. Um, I also really like uh, a puzzle involving an old kinetoscope, which took us a long time to figure out how to do that. Um, Just because like I'm a sucker for old film tech and uh, being able to build kind of a cool, like there's even watching playthroughs of people and people playing the game in person, like when they first start experimenting with that device, they always have like a, Oh, that's like a very cool thing kind of moment. And that's exactly what I'm talking about where it's like being able to play with uh, like strange devices and things in VR that you wouldn't normally be able to, like, that's what it's all about. And uh, we initially had a very complex uh, design for that, that piece in particular. And we figured out how to like almost combine one of those old, like Viewmaster uh, kind of things with, um, with, with a kinetoscope. So that's, that's probably one of my favorites, honestly. Yeah. I would say two things are the lobby puzzles, which is not giving really anything away. Like you're in the lobby of the, of the theater at some point. Um, I'm just going to say that, you know, sometimes you have puzzles that are, siloed they're self-contained to the individual puzzles and sometimes you have puzzles that have elements that correspond across the whole sort of level so to speak even though it is open open world um so i do like how i think my favorite thing is watching people and even that sense of discovery even having helped design it but that sense of discovery when all those different pieces can come together because it's not you're not just moving from one linear puzzle to the next and I think that the game has a great balance of that, where if you have just one linear puzzle to the next, sometimes that can become, uh, you know, you can get tired of it. Yeah, I remember walking into that lobby and going, I, I, I ran around the whole wall and I just went, fuck, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Yeah, no, I know. it was a little, I, I didn't expect to see any environment that massive. Yeah, and there there's a, a lot of puzzles in that lobby. There's a lot going on in the lobby. Yeah. It's amazing that it was that it, it all works the way it does with no No, and all the puzzles definitely felt connected to mm-hmm. to the overall we'll say end end yeah. game here. 
Well, that's mm-hmm. that's what makes us so impressive because it's one thing to you know go one puzzle to the next, just as you said in a very linear. But when you when they all correspond together and they all have to to work together, that's impressive for it to all work. So, uh, I mean, it, maybe it's the kaleidoscope one, but is there one puzzle uh, or one set of puzzles that that stood out as the hardest? To you're just program? going for spoilers, is what you're doing. <laughs> Sounds like spoiler fishing. Um, hardest to, yeah, I mean, there were a few that were difficult to figure out just from like a logistical standpoint. Um, from a programming standpoint, uh, oof, yeah, that's tough. Um, no, we can there... we can kind of skip around that because we're we're dancing around uh, <laughs> dangerous dangerous waters with that. Um, so yeah, there's we... a certain musical instrument. I will say that that uh was very difficult (laughs) because it was very intricate so yeah i don't know in terms of actual specific puzzles it's always there's always things as a developer that people will break or that you will find that break in ways that you never expected and so there's definitely puzzles that um you know like the level of like fine motor skills across different headsets across different controller bindings that's really when you get into those things it's like a lot of stuff works decently quickly but when you're developing something it's really that last 10 to 20 percent worth of polish which is you know it's one of the hardest things as an indie studio and we can obviously talk about what we want to do next but i find that that was sort of the hardest stuff with with puzzles it's just getting it to to be hard enough but also not turn people off and make them quit i I even mentioned some of them are so obvious you feel stupid when you didn't figure it out and (laughs) none of them are too hard that you shouldn't be able to figure it out so there was a there was a good balance because some i'll say early on i i breezed a little and i'm like i feel so good i'm confident and then you get a stumbling block and i'm like shit i think i killed the battery just literally sitting there going (laughs) i that has to be solvable right i mean they wouldn't do this to you (laughs) just going to every corner of the room looking at every uh, little thing i was like this is hats off i'm like all right i'm stumped on this one i had to like put the headset down wait and go back to it to to even be able to think of how to solve it yeah it was never too hard that i got so frustrated Mm -hmm. that i didn't want to go back i was always dying to go back in but i think man to me it takes the, the the title of the hardest vr escape room i've done so far which kind of brings me to my next point. You Stratus over here referenced it before. Uh, I, I, I kind of wanted to get in my questions first before I go down this path, because once I get riled up, I'm probably not going to go back. Uh, you know, this game's on App Lab, which to me does not make sense at all. It has theatrical level, you know, polished graphics, you know, a great story, unique puzzles. You know, everything works good. It's not like an in beta game. So for you guys, what was it like to submit this game and the whole process of getting it on the store? And, you know, are are we eventually going to see on the official store or do you know just as much as we do? We sort of know just as much as you do. (laughs) I think that it's what's so crazy is that with with Steam, which I've released several games on now, but Steam is, is this kind of open. It's so open in the sense that anyone can pretty much get a game on steam if you're fairly competent. But the issue with steam is that everything is not curated. You know, it's such a free for all. There are certain games that, that are not that great. And then there's triple a titles, but at least you can get the game on in a pretty organized and, and known way. But, you know, look with what Meta's doing and obviously we won't like criticize them completely because we want to work with them and it's sort of a tough task that they have. But, you know, you have the main store where the criteria for getting on the main store is very sort of tough to discern. I think, you know, my biggest regret is probably not tr- not making this game two years ago. Because um, I feel like Meta has, you know, really embraced this core group of developers that made successful things for them early. And there's a bit of a club that you have to get into. Um, and so we felt like the best thing for us is, you know, without that direct, uh, connection or direct relationship yet was just to make the best game we could and put it on app lab, uh, which took six to eight weeks to kind of get through approval. And the process is is a bit clunky. It's, it's not exactly, you know, too, they don't really guide you too much, but now we've been through that process 
it's just about getting the word out there as much as possible, having us update the game, uh, and kind of just building a groundswell so that they can't not put it on the main store. Yeah, no. no, exactly. I think the big thing is like we really wanted to create a polished experience, a cinematic experience, something that, you know, felt like it had substance when you played it. And like I was talking about earlier, that had really unique puzzles that you just hadn't really experienced before. Um, and all that kind of stuff, you know, helped create a game that we we're really proud of. And yeah, we want to keep supporting it. And we want to expand the game. We want to add some even more kind of cool cinematic moments to it. Um, and all that is, you know, we've been happy to be able to release it on Steam, release it on Viveport, and to be able to even reach some of the Oculus audience through App Lab. But we definitely want to want to try and grow that. Yeah, it deserves, you know, there's some things, again, I mean, I think App Lab, there's more games on App Lab than the official stores. I mean, there's there's a place for everything, mm-hmm. but sometimes you run across gems that are just like, it, it doesn't make sense. It just has, I mean, I can only assume that from a, a Facebook standpoint, they're, they're slammed. They got so much shit going on. I get it, but there are so much talented games out there or, or people who made them that are kind of like stuck in a, uh, yeah, and we've never spoken to a developer on app lab. Who's been like, nah, man, in two weeks from today, I'm actually going on the store. Yeah. They're all seem left in the, the blank. So you get an email or a phone call that says, Hey, you know, we're going to move you to the store, but it's, it's weird. Cause from, my understanding of criteria needed to be on the store. You guys pretty much have it. It's continued well, growth. There's a future plan. It's not a dead project. You know, you, you address issues. You're, it's, it's not like in all beta. The, all the boxes. Yeah, all the boxes are checked. It's, well, here's my problem with it. I love, in theory, the idea. I love, you know, the idea of we're going to have this official store that has the strict criteria that's only really polished games. And then for everything that's not, polished or it's a genre that we have a bunch of or it's in beta whatever we have app lab for you guys to to do i love that concept but it doesn't seem consistent meaning i see some games that get to the official store that really seem like they should be on they really should be on app lab and then there's games that are on app lab that are in genres that there's not a whole bunch of on the official store you know they're kind of doing their own unique thing they're incredibly polished they're they work well Mm -hmm. And then they're stuck in App Lab with no promotion or push, and it goes. It's like I love the concept, but it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem consistent. No, that's just for my push for there to be an App Lab button on your app screen mm-hmm. on your Oculus mm-hmm. headset, so you you'd be more inclined to be like, well, well, what is this? Versus, hey, a friend told me if you, I mean, the if whole type deal it in, sounds <laughs> shady. Yeah, if you type it in perfectly and then scroll to the bottom and hit view yeah. more. And then you oh, click dude. it, and then you ignore the giant <laughs> right. virus warning window that pops up. Then even, you can download it. Even when you own an App Lab game and you pull it up to look in your library of games, it'll clearly remind you that this is an App Lab game. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I'm well aware of this. Yep. But I, I hope to get Yeah, it's pretty it. funny. Yeah, you guys it's deserve it. a bit of a catch-22. Big time. Big time. But at least you... <laughs> You know, I could see it, and I've even said this, I know, once in in an interview that if I were a developer and I knew I was going to get App Labbed, I'd probably hold back my my true content and true abilities until I got my foot in the door with a store game, and then I would drop my <laughs> my, my legit game. But that's just being a douchebag. I mean, it, it could be because you didn't charge $30 for the game, too. Oh, you know? Who knows? It doesn't seem consistent. It's it's like... Because uh, we do that category of, you know, value for the value for the money. And it's like, how many escape rooms would you have to physically visit to get the amount of playtime that you got in this game? You'd be out hundreds of freaking dollars. Yeah, escape rooms, like, what, mm-hmm. 60 bucks for a, a one-hour adventure? That's if you even get out. I don't even know how many whole <laughs> headset charges I played on this, bef- you know, before I got to the end. It's... It, it, it's Let insane. It. So I, that's unfortunate to hear that you guys don't really know, you know, what what's next with with that, how to get on the store or anything. Because definitely this game, this game deserves it. I mean, when I think if when and again, I think word word of mouth, letting people know that this is a legit. This isn't like I don't know. I so I'll, I'll take this opportunity to, to say this: if anybody who's listened to this has played this game and enjoyed it, it, yeah, go drop a five star review on the store page for it. I mean, like, what's what's the feedback been like for you guys since you dropped it from uh, from consumers? What's been what's been good? I think to to touch on the app lab thing just a little bit before we move on to that, 
is it's really you're kind of left in limbo, right? So, you know, and look, we I have been talking to some people at Meta. We have been trying to figure out, you know, what their true criteria are. Um, you know, all we can really do, we, we picked a game, we picked a genre of escape rooms where there's not a ton of different things. There seems like there's a ton of games like Pistol Whip, though I love Pistol Whip. <laughs> a lot of beat savers. <laughs> there's a lot of... Right. There's a lot of different games in that genre on the main store. There's not a lot of high quality escape rooms and sort of adventure kind of games in that way. So I think that's, we already have that market inefficiency kind of covered. Um, But really all it's going to, I think, take is just a groundswell of support for the game in general, but also as a developer, you know, to be honest, we want to, we want to add to it and we want to expand it as much as possible. But it's really until we know that we could actually have a possibility of getting on that main store from a financial perspective. We also just can't keep updating it if we are completely in limbo. So it is a bit of a catch 22 of we're obviously going to add more and, and, you know, address some of the feedback that we've gotten and make it the best experience possible. But you can't really add a new room or add new features if you're only going to be stuck in App Lab. And that kind of yep. unknown is sort of the, I think the biggest thing that Meta needs to address. Yeah, and like, totally agree. Yeah, stay consistent with it. Like you said, there's not many things like this. If there was 20 escape rooms that were there, you know, a start to finish, non-levels, tells a whole unique story, almost like a movie. If there were a bunch of these on the store, I would say, eh. I understand why you're on App Lab, but there's not. It's unique, and then it's polished. It's beautiful, and it here it is. Functions. Um, it, it actually <laughs> functions. You get what I'm saying? Tells a nice story, and here it is, just you know, stuck in the dark. It's I I, I don't get it. I I again I keep saying it. This is the year we're going to see the change for, <laughs> and I'll just keep saying it that this is the year that App Lab's going to make its move to make it. More visible, more visible <laughs> to the consumer. You've been saying that since mm-hmm. uh, December of last year, and we've yet to see any Correct. any increased visibility. Correct. But hopefully, just, you're right. I feel it in my <laughs> old bones, man. I really do. <laughs> I, I think the feedback we've been getting has been interesting because kind of speaks to your App Lab point a little bit. But so many people are like, you know, this is just one tier below the room, or it's like right below, uh, you know, Red Matter. And, or I expect you to die. And it's like, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword because on the one hand, it's, we want to be considered the best we can be, but it's still pretty much an honor to be like spoken about in, in conversation with titles like that that are so well-established, especially as a studio that's pretty new and pretty small. So I think people look at it and because it looks so polished, they say, well, you know, it's not quite as good as, as, you know, a dark matter but that's like pretty high praise to even be in that conversation. Yeah. Look, the exactly. shell games credits take five minutes to list all the people who yeah, worked on I it. I counted the, you I counted the people. It's a shit ton. You guys have, a, right. you, you know, up to 12 people, but a core five feet, five, six people working on it. Well, and that's one of the reasons yes. I like doing these interviews because people can hear like, wow, these aren't, you know, these aren't 70 to a hundred and something people studios here. So my brain says as a consumer, right. What if they had that same capital? Oh my God. That, that if they're giving yeah. you this with, you know, a small studio, what mm-hmm. would happen if you gave them, you know, the same budget to make a game? I just, it, it you'd have to assume it would be better. Mm-hmm. No, when I, for me, if I was, you know, content curator, or whatever, I'd be looking at a game like this and going, fuck, yep. we need to, we need to invest in it. We need to push We need this. to spend more money. Yeah. <laughs> Or we need to buy these guys and get them to come over. Or to just make, yeah, push them on the official store. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Eric, no, what do you think of the feedback so far? Yeah, no, the feedback has been great so far, and we've been really happy with it. Like especially amongst fans of escape rooms and puzzle games, like yourselves. Uh, yeah, they love it, and I think it's just you know I played the room. I played. I expect you to die. Like that's like my favorite genre of a VR game in particular. And, you know, when I, when I got my quest two, I, I breezed through all those titles in, you know, a week or two. And it's one of the reasons that we wanted to get into this game was because we just saw like, Oh, there aren't as many like 
solid, you know, very polished, very cinematic, very atmospheric escape room style puzzle games like this available on Quest. And yeah, like that was like that was our whole reason going into it. And like people are clearly digging that and they're clearly enjoying this experience. And um, yeah, all the reviews so far have just been like overwhelmingly positive and we've been really happy with with what's come back. Yeah, I haven't read any any anger on this experience at all. Certainly not the words, man, it was too short. <laughs> too easy. It's too easy. Yeah, the only the only the only thing I'll say is bring a battery pack or just know you're not gonna finish it in one session because unless you're a genius. No, I mean- and what's crazy is is <laughs> I'm not one that usually has huge replayability with escape rooms because you reach a point where you just have everything memorized, but knowing that you guys make changes and you're going to add stuff to it, it almost forces me to want to, the first time I heard that, I was like, well, shit, now I'm going to have to play just to see what the, Mm -hmm. we gave each other a look like, are we going back in tonight? (laughs) What are we going to do here? So no, I mean, just to, well, we're going to add some achievements. We're going to add some other bits and pieces that tie into the narrative of it all like you know there's some a few things we've already posted to some hot fixes to the quest version and the steam version that address some of the locomotion and some of the hand movements um you know i think you guys even reference on your first review like you know you're pretty much a 95 out of 100 but there's just a few tiny little things here and there and i think we've addressed a lot of those things and you know moving forward we're just going to add bits and pieces that really help tie together some of the narrative and the puzzles even more and give you some more narrative achievements to kind of go after and explore a little more Easter eggs about the theater. Ooh, yeah. So you're going to have to go back. To I, can't, I cannot wait. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're approaching an hour. So uh, Stratus, is there anything that we, we haven't asked yet that, that you want to touch on? No, but I'm sure I'll think of something real soon. <laughs> no, I'm just always grateful that we get a little insight on what it actually takes to make these things happen. And with the escape room, we know from talking to other escape room developers, they're some of the hardest to actually program and make. And I'm yeah. not knocking other games, but at the end of the day, it's like you just don't have the same liberty. So to pull this off, my my only thing is I, I hope to God that it gets the recognition it deserves. Um. Shit, we have yearly awards as well, but it, it deserves the recognition and it deserves to be on the store. I'd love yeah. to see more people be able to experience it, and then you'll probably find yourself being talked about maybe more than some of the rest as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I def- definitely hope we can see this one on the official store. So before I wrap this thing up, Dan and, and Eric, is there anything that you guys wanted to touch on uh, that you know maybe we didn't go over yet? Without giving away massive spoilers, what do you think, Eric? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um yeah, we're just we're excited to get it into the hands of more escape room fans in particular. Um, we've been really happy with the the attention it's gotten on SideQuest and the community there has has been really really good to it. And yeah, we're just excited to keep expanding it and making it an even more polished experience. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. awesome. And stay Man, I'll, I'll say uh, the second I finished this, I looked up like I got to know that the official development team name, because next time I see that load up on a, a game or I see coming soon from, well, from you top know right I don't corner, want to let I'm, these I'm guys know it. without asking if they're. I know there's going to be a lot of focus on this and you've got obviously a lot of things going on in different directions, but do we see more different games coming from this group? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, there's actually. We're we're based mainly in New Orleans, although I also work with Eric in Los Angeles. And we are developing, uh, apart from Atlas updates, we're developing sort of a digital twin of the entire French Quarter in New Orleans that you're able to walk around and explore in different time periods. So that's a massive endeavor <laughs> that we have a prototype for. Um, and, you know, like for that project, we might release it as sort of an early access for free or very cheap on app lab to try and start that process in a different manner. But yeah, no, we're, we're super excited about this kind of, uh, completely accurate reconstruction of, of parts of the French quarter project. No, Jesus, that's kind of perfect with your lead in. So when people see this developer name, yeah, top right corner, like I said, I finished, this is going to be a huge one to watch. I finished the Atlas and I was like, I got to write this down because holy moly, these are ones to keep an eye on. So if people want to follow you guys for 
you know, updates on the Atlas or coming soon things? Is there anywhere on social media that, that our listeners can follow you? Yeah, for Atlas, uh, we're just Atlas Mystery VR across pretty much every social platform. And yeah, we post regularly. We, we post updates. We post uh, have new, new content and everything. So you know, all the latest and greatest about the game can be found there. Hell yeah. So, you know, like I said, guys, if you played this game, you loved it, and you haven't yet, go drop this a five-star review because this is one that we should definitely see on the official store. 100%. And uh, Dan and Eric, thank you for taking the time to, to come and talk with us. We love to pick the brains of the people who make these these great experiences. Definitely want to get these guys on again because yeah. I, I, I'm feeling and thinking we're going to see some more amazing shit coming our way. Yeah, absolutely. For a team of, you know, five to six, but now 12 people, uh, this is insanely impressive. Stratus said, oh, that makes sense because five to four to six seems to be the sweet spot we see. So great work from you guys. And uh, if there's any major updates or when that that New Orleans, you know, French Quarter historical travel I travel comes down. through. <laughs> yeah, definitely let us know. We'd, we'd love to have you back on to talk more about that. Oh, thank you, guys. It was great to talk to you. Awesome. Have a great yeah, day. Thanks, and- thanks so much. And and thanks for leading the campaign. I don't know if Meta has a button. There should just be like an add Atlas button to the main store request <laughs> help link that they have. But whatever we can do to put pressure on them as, as allowing, I think, developers to make more experiences like this is going to be really important for their ecosystem and just give a diversity of different games that they offer. No, I, I hope totally in, agree. I hope in six months we're saying, oh, my God, I'm so glad to see the Atlas on the official store. So, yeah, listeners, if you if, if you loved it, go drop that in the reviews. You know, hope if, for the meantime, if since there's no request to be on the official store button, just spam it in the comment of the, the review. <laughs> yeah, the more <laughs> that'll, times do that, that'll do mentioned. <laughs> yeah, the algorithms will read it for sure. Awesome. So if you guys enjoyed cool. this episode of the podcast, subscribe. Same thing. Rate us five stars and stay tuned for uh, for next week. Awesome. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks, guys.